This was the first gangland murder, um, not only this year, but the first gangland murder for over a year. Whelan was on his way to carry out an attack against Mr. Flashy, but it seems one of Whelan's crowd tipped the Mr. Flashy organization off, and these guys struck before he did. The big fear is that the huge pressure is going to come on these young lads to actually carry out the deed, the revenge attack that everyone is expecting. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The murder of drug dealer James Whelan in Finglas marks the start of what Gardaí fear will be a long-running and murderous feud between two factions of what was once one gang. The intricacies of the fallout between the mob boss known as Mr Flashy and his former lieutenant are all too familiar to many who have watched other gangland wars play out in the past. Irish independent crime correspondent Ken Foy joins me today to talk about the criminal mentor who groomed the young guns who now in turn run their own violent gangs. About the significance of the murder of such a key player like Whelan and of the fears of the reprisals to come. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Ken, who was James Whelan? Nicola, James Whelan, who was murdered in, in the early, early hours of last Sunday morning, was considered one of the, I guess, one of the main protagonists in the Fingless Gangland feud. Um, he he's a, I suppose he's typical of many of many of the um, protagonists in it, in the sense that he was a juvenile when he became involved in organised crime. Um, James Whelan was originally from. Um, the north inner city and his family moved out to Finglas, uh, the Barnamore Crescent area and when he was a young enough teenager and from what I'm told because he was a so-called townie um, with, he, with serious criminal links even at that young age uh, the local Finglas uh, young, young criminals didn't take very uh, well to him in the area that he lived in and Ultimately, this led him to hang around with a grouping from a different part of Finglas uh, that would involve, I suppose, the notorious drugs trafficker we often talk describe as Mr. Flashy, but at the time was led by mm. a guy called Trevor Byrne. And for many years, uh, Whelan was, was a key part of that crew. But I suppose maybe around two, three years ago, um, he split from them and went back to, to hanging around with and being involved in organised crimes with people from his own uh, part of Finglas, the Barnamore Crescent area, and the younger uh, members of this organisation. Uh, I suppose we, we covered him a bit, and we used to describe him as the scooter gang. They, they, um, they mm. go around on e-scooters and electric bicycles, um, selling drugs all around the locality. So the fact is that the, the split that happened when he, he left the Trevor Byrne, Mr. Flashy side of things and basically set up his own enterprise and became one of, it was actually, mm. sources say that he was actually making a fortune from drug dealing. He was in control of this scooter guy. And like, I mean, this has all happened in the blink of an eye. This guy was only 29 when he was shot dead. 
So, I mean, you're talking in 10 years, a criminal career coming up under Trevor Byrne, and maybe you'll remind us a little bit about him in a minute, but coming up under him, obviously ambitious enough to split off and to establish himself on his own and making an absolute fortune through drugs and a kind of power play then happens between himself and his former pal, Mr. Flashy. Um, but going back to that, Trevor Byrne obviously was the, the, the what would you call him, the, the mentor to these young guys. He was the uh, elder criminal figure that was kind of bringing them along, grooming them as such. He was, and Trevor Byrne is, is serving multiple hefty sentences in relation to armed robbery, serious firearms offences, kidnapping. Um, but he was the senior senior man. He was the link man between um, these group of reckless um, young criminals, uh, many of whom had a and still have very serious cocaine issues. Trevor Byrne was the link man between them and, and the more senior uh, members of the uh, Kinahan cartel. And like what came before him, not to completely date or, or alienate younger listeners, but would have been Marlowe Highland and, and that kind of crew, the Bradleys and, and that crew. I mean, they are, they are just seem like, they just seem like they were ancient history now. In, in some respects, if you look back at Marla Highland, he almost seems like a reasonable type of person compared to, to <laughs> what's happening now, which is, which is bizarre to say it. Um, Isn't it? It is, but that's just the way it is. But going back to um, Mr. Whelan, and we, we talk about how far he came. At the age, he was murdered, obviously, at the age of 29 last weekend. But uh, you have to remember, he was only aged 18 when Gardaí seized almost €30,000 uh, worth of, uh, of cash uh, back in June 2011 when they, they searched his home. So um, even at the age of 18, that's what this guy was, he was dealing in that, in that amount of money. Yeah, bloody hell. Um, so Flashy sort of became the prominent figure of that younger mob under Byrne and he was sort of... I think actually you gave him the nickname, did you? Am I wrong? I have to give credit to uh, my esteemed colleague, Emer Rabbit. <laughs> Emer? Yes. The most mild-mannered of us all. Yes. She gave She gave him the nickname. Yes. Nice one. Um, we, 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 we spent, we spent uh, many a day deciding. Um, we, we couldn't yeah. name this drugs trafficker for legal reasons, um, particularly yes. because of the level of crime he was involved in. His criminal convictions didn't match the level of criminal mm. activity he was involved in. So we became aware of his uh, love for designer clothes and uh, designer runners and watches and so on. And it, it was great. It was good old Emer who came up with the, uh, the nickname when it has stuck. We give our credit where credit is due. I suppose to explain to people, because, you know, funny, I only got a couple of um, texts about that last night. You know, why is why do we not name Mr. Flashy? Why do we not name these people Mr. Big, etc.? And that is exactly the reason, because they don't have those convictions in a court of law that allow us to bring the journalism that step forward to actually name them and obviously use their photographs. Um, it just means that we're sort of we're limited in what we can say. So we give them a nickname. So as each time we refer to them, people know it's it's in reference to the same person, because otherwise you're just going to be saying a 29 year old or a, exactly. you know, whatever, exactly. Um, a Kulak criminal or whatever. So that that's why we do that. Um, and obviously we have the um, the talents and skills of Ema Rabbit to help us along the way. We're coming up with those names. But um, Flashy um, 
What is it about him that saw him as kind of taking that lead figure within the group? It's it's really hard to to define that. It's a, it's a very hard question to answer, Nicola, because oftentimes you might look at a leader of an organised crime gang and you see that he's a, a big, bulky guy. He's a man's man. He's, um, you know, many different things. Do, do you know, someone that has... An alpha male, I suppose. Exactly. But this is this is not the case in relation to um, this individual. He's, he's, a, he's not a big guy he's not particularly um he's not particularly well liked by by a lot of people the, the Gardaí would have always had it had a very low opinion of them Th- these are the guards that would deal with criminals on a daily basis and oftentimes you know, you know they, they spend their careers trying to convict these guys but oftentimes they have to sp- spend time talking to them and they end up, you know, having a kind of a grudging respect for a lot of these criminals. Mm-hmm. But in, in the case of um, this individual, certainly not. It's it's almost he he's a figure of hatred. So it's it's very hard to explain why or how he has become um, a so called gang leader, really. And physically, he's kind of teeny tiny, even though he works out. And and obviously, we have seen plenty of photographs of him and stuff. But you know, he bulks himself up through the gym and stuff, but he's he's not tall. He's not, as you say, a big, big kind of burly guy, but he must make up for that in personality. He must be, he must be feared or revered or something that uh, he rose up the ranks in what was a very violent and volatile grouping anyway. Well, I suppose he, he, he must have a definite street level intelligence. And the fact is, even, you know, with the nickname he has, uh, over all the years, I suppose it's the younger, more vulnerable uh, types of juveniles that are getting involved in this crime are looking at the likes of him. And, he, you know, he has the nickname because he, he has all the bling and always has had it for years. And it's, I suppose a lot of it is is uh, the fact that kids maybe aspire to having the kind of lifestyle that he has. Again, he's, you know, Instagram generation. He, he does go for the lovely holidays. Um, he has the very good-looking girlfriends. And it's, I suppose, it really the younger people up and coming, a lot of them aspire to be able to have that kind of lifestyle that he projects. And like even doing that is the, that, that sense of untouchability he has about himself that he will put, and I mean, I have seen his social media sites in the past and he puts himself out there and he's showing it off. He doesn't have any legitimate employment. He's not afraid of showing this wealth. What's going on with that generation? They're not, they don't seem to be afraid of, of anybody. No, and it's, it's amazing, really. Um, I think it was, it's probably around two years ago, the guards did a massive raid and they, they, they took t- tens of thousands of euro worth of um, watches and high-end clothes and, and runners and stuff like that. But, the, you know, a couple of weeks later on social media, there he was again. It wasn't that he was going around, he was in the, in the most expensive gear again and flaunting it. Just flaunting it, just replace the wardrobe, whatever was taken, he just, he'll show them. Exactly. You know, I can, exactly. I can just buy this back. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing kind of, it's not a bravery, it's an arrogance, I think. And, and maybe, um, maybe to answer the original question, maybe that is what the younger people aspire to. Maybe there's kind of a, they respect that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that, that, you know, they will see him. A younger mind might see that as being fearless, 
you know, it might take a bit of maturity to look at that and see the arrogance of it rather than, you know, it being a, a bravery. But so him and Whelan fall out and, you know, are they two alpha males, basically? Are they are they both aspiring to be boss? And is that what leads to that fallout ultimately? I suppose ultimately, yeah. But what happens are, and we've we've discussed this, Nicola, on a number of occasions in the lead up to this murder. I suppose it's the, one of the big surprises. It, it took so long for their for a murder mm. to happen in this feud because of the chaotic scenes that have been unfolding in Finglas since the start of the year. Um, Whelan had branched out, and he was making his money. And obviously, there was a lot of tension, but. Um, Incidents that have happened throughout the course of this year, which which started with watches being stolen from a close associate of Mr. Flashy, which in turn led to assaults, shootings, grenade attacks, abductions, um, and everything being played out, threats and taunts on social media. All this was coming to a head. Um, and what happened then was, it was last Friday, um, an innocent, uh, close female associate of Whelan uh, her house was shot up and mm. there was a retaliation attack on it. Again, an innocent female closely linked to Mr. Flashy where shots were fired into that house and things were reaching boiling point. And what seems to have happened is that Whelan, and it's believed wasn't on his own, uh, was on his way to carry out an attack against Mr. Flashy in the early hours of last Saturday morning, um, a gun attack or a petrol bomb attack but the information, the latest information, is that it seems one of Whelan's crowd tipped um, the Mr. Flashy organisation off that hmm. uh, Whelan was going to be in the locality. Uh, it seems he might have even been viewed on CCTV. And these guys struck before he did. And uh, he was shot, shot with a high-velocity weapon. Did they intend to kill him? That might sound like a stupid question, but I did see that there was a, you know, it was... It wasn't sort of maybe that pre-planned. It, it was opportunist more than anything. The, the actual shooting of Whelan? Yeah. What seems to have happened is that they, they became aware that he was on their patch mm. and was, was possibly attempting to kill them. But it seems that they, they got knowledge that he was going to be there and they, they were waiting for him. So to, to say it's opportunistic, I, I don't know, but it, certainly it wasn't a, a matter that was planned um, days or yeah. weeks in advance, but it, it was something that maybe uh, was planned a couple of hours in advance uh, because you have, to, you have to remember they to have, with the amount of guard activity in the area, it's not a case that these guys could, could hold on to a, gu- uh, a gun for too long. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the information, it seems, or the latest information is that um, the Mr. Flashy crew were given some kind of advance notice um, and that may have only been an hour or two that this guy and probably some of his associates were on their way to carry out an attack on them. Now, usually in these feuds, when they break out, you kind of tend to um, see that there are, you know, lesser significant characters maybe fall first and the gun attacks are against members of the crew. The, the sort of the lead figure um, remains safe for a while, usually during these feuds. But this one has kicked off. It's been rumbling for a long, long time. It's like as if these guys have been really gagging to get involved in a murderous feud. But this one has kicked off with the head of one side of the organisation being being removed. 
in, in, in that shooting. So that means that's very, very significant now who's going to step up, take his place and what the retaliation is going to be like. Are the guards very concerned about um, what's, you know, expected to happen in the near future? Guardy are extremely concerned and there, there is expected to be reprisals. And even, I suppose it's a week since since this murder happened, but already um, a new figurehead has been nominated in the organisation uh, that Whelan was involved in. And this is a, mm. typically, again, a young criminal aged in his early 20s who would be a significant enough drug dealer uh, and would have had very, would be very closely linked to a criminal called Paul Farmer Martin, who was shot dead in a pub in Finglas in 2008 as part of a completely separate round of uh, feuding and fingness. Um, as you might you remember well, uh, the times of Eamon de Don Dunn was all part of that feuding. But um, this this guy in his early 20s who, who was links to Farmer Martin has already been almost anointed and expected to take over the day-to-day running of this um, drugs organisation. And I mean, you mentioned Eamon de Don Dunn. He, of course, would have stepped into the... Uh, the vacuum left after the murder of Marlowe Highland. So you're having these very sort of significant criminal figures are coming and going so quickly, aren't they? And, the, you know, I mean, there's really only a sort of a five to ten year period where they're there and they're either jailed or they're murdered. And yet you have this never ending stream of young people coming up along the lines and seeing this as a career. Um, you'd wonder what has to happen for some of these guys to to turn their back on it or maybe to take a different road. Um, obviously, the lifestyle is still very attractive when they're young. So what sort of numbers are on both sides? And that sounds like I'm making it sound a bit like a football team. I don't intend to do that. But I'm just wondering, are the gangs, have they even enough amount of, of members or associates? You're talking roughly, and I suppose particularly in, in the case of... Um, Mr. Whelan, who was murdered last weekend, uh, he has links into the North Inner City, um, North Inner City gangs there, even the likes, there seems to be some kind of um, relationship with the Christie Griffin crime network. But in the, in the Fingness area it's, itself, how many would be on each side? You're, I suppose you're talking, uh, as far as hardcore members, you're probably talking around a dozen to 15, but spread out then you might have 30 to 40 um, mm. junior members. One of the biggest concerns um, with detention apparently out there now, you could cut it with a knife, somebody said to me this morning, is that there was young lads that would owe the Wheel and Crime Network figures of a thousand euro, two thousand euro, maybe even less for, for drugs lost. And the big fear is that the huge pressure is going to come on these young lads to actually carry out the the, the revenge attack, that re- revenge attack that everyone is expecting. So um, that's really a big concern. When it comes to those blurred lines, Ken, I think one of them, the names that has popped up showing sympathy towards James Whelan that has been maybe surprising is Scott Capper. Yes, and I suppose traditionally he would have been considered the right-hand man of Mr. Flashy. Now there's some, in, he's in prison right now, uh, in relation to serious assaults and a serious organised crime offence, and there has been it has been stated that he's had a fallen out with uh, Mr. Flashy Gang, but again, it's I suppose it's it's gangland is not regimented. 
these loyalties change all the time. And um, he would have been a very close pal of Whelan for many, many years when they were all in the same gang together. And I suppose we have to recognise that when they're living under these, you know, this this pressure, um, paranoia really kicks in and, you know, that sense of, and of course, as you mentioned, they they are all taking huge amounts of cocaine, which doesn't help. So that paranoia can turn friends on friends and, you know, even it can even turn families against one another, can't it? Absolutely. And if you throw um, huge amounts of money into the mix, the huge amounts of money that are made, and as well the inevitable um, rivalries over females, etc., that break out and um, various other little rows, people, it's so interchangeable. Um, and I suppose it always has been that way uh, with, all, with, with all the feuds that we've been covering over the years. And of course, what makes the situation so volatile is that you have the two sides and they both want to show their power, which is what this is really all about in the end of the day, because they're all making plenty of money. And if they just kept their heads down and uh, stayed out of trouble, they would get filthy rich and be able to retire early. But that's not the way it goes. It's about power and it's about prominence and dominance and all those things. Unfortunately, what, what would be the concern, I suppose, is that each side is going to want to show their firepower and going to want to show what they're made of. And now it's it's a big power play. Who's going to win this? Exactly. And um, Nicola, you would have covered the Crumlin-Drimna feud. I think, I think 16 lives were lost in that. And mm. there's when you look at this, um, th- that feud started in 2001 when Brian Ratigan stabbed Declan Gavin to death um, outside a takeaway in Crumlin. And when I look at... You know, we've been covering this Fingness situation now for a good few months um, as it's escalated since the start of the year. And there are so many similarities between what is going on now in Fingness and, and all that stuff in Crumlin Drimna, which which lasted for over a decade. And I suppose there's now and again, it's there's still even uh, over 20 years later, there's still little rumblings of it. So... Look, it's mm. it seems to be a very very serious situation. There's no talk of any truces. There's no talk of um, anyone backing down. And the problem is, so many of the youngsters, protagonists involved in it, are very heavy cocaine users themselves, which makes them obviously volatile and reckless. And you know, as you've seen on social media, they it's not no one is they're not hiding. You know, it's uh, it's it's very strange, and it's very disturbing. Um. I want to talk to you about that social media, but the point I wanted to make about the Crumlin Drimna feud was, in a way, I think it was during that feud that there was a line in the sand crossed, and that was to go after the loved ones of the protagonists. You know, that was kind of a new type of gangland warfare. And we saw that then moving into the Kinnahan Hutch feud as well, where relatives of people, relatives of criminals involved or, you know, those who who's who were, um, you know, who were targets, that they were also targeted. These homes of, of mothers, of sisters, everybody. It was fair game. And, um, you know, that Crumlin Drimna a few, that's where that started and that changed everything. And then, you know, it's it's open season and clearly Already in this feud, you're seeing that the homes of, you know, associates and, and innocent females, etc., being being targeted in a, in attacks. It's kind of um, scary stuff to think what's coming. But the social media call outs, I mean, they're absolutely shocking. They're just so blatant. 
you, you would think if you're a guard investigating the matter, they must must be. I'm thinking like there was there was no social media um, when the Crumlin Drimna feud started. The the guards, the, it must be an absolute field day for um, detectives. You're lo- you're looking at this stuff, and it's quite evident who's who, what's what, what's been suggested. There, it's it's all out there. It's it's, it's been blatantly said. Now, I suppose that the last time we saw, um, but this has escalated in the, the Kulak feud. I think you know the, where Sean Little was murdered. I think there was four murders in that feud. Um, the guards got a handle on it, and, and it's it's very much a lot calmer in that part of the north side now than it was three or four years ago. But that's that was the first time you saw such blatant um, stuff on social media. People they're not necessarily hiding their faces. And some of the threats are absolutely vile. They really are, you know. I mean, they're talking about digging up the body of of this guy, Whelan. Oh, yeah, and there, I saw a post asking, um, "What did the, what did the bullets taste like, James?" And all kinds of stuff. But on the other side, you have his associates saying that um, they're going to finish this once once and for all, um, bro, as they say. And um, it's it's very disturbing, and it's. It's 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 hard to see how there is not going to be no more murders in the, in the coming weeks. Interesting, you said that it was a, a sort of a member of Whelan's crew that tipped off the flashy mob that he was on his way into the area a couple of hours before he was murdered. There's obviously similar again; these feuds all follow a, a similar path. There are kind of some people with their foot in each camp, and they're probably the most dangerous because they're the ones who are passing the information. Is there blurred lines about who's on which side? Is the funeral perhaps going to be an opportunity to see where allegiances are, who shows up, who doesn't? Uh, or do do the guards have a clear handle on where everybody sits in this? Like everything with gangland, uh, Nicola, as you well know, there, it, it is very blurred, especially, you know, when in, in, in these areas, economically disadvantaged areas, when there's big money at stake. So... Particularly in this case, when uh, Whelan was a key member of the gang that actually have murdered him, that you're you are talking about people that were pals with each other, associates, um, business partners have turned on each other. So, put simply, it is very blurred lines, and, and there is um, a lot of paranoia out there, and there is people accusing people of being turncoats. Whelan himself, in the last year, was accused of being. Um, someone that operated on both sides. Certainly his rivals were putting that out there. You know, he was being accused of, in the parlance of the gangland, of being a rat, etc. Um, so, so does that mean that he was being accused of touting information to the guards or what do you think? No, not touting information to the guards, but being playing both sides. Being being in charge of the scooter crew, but also having dealings with the Mr. Flashy crowd as well. You know, doing, doing whatever it did to make money. And he certainly made a lot of money. Uh, into the mix of this has, um, I saw a, a sympathy note has been put up on the social media of Lee, Lee Byrne, who has 50,000 Instagram followers. Uh, Lee Byrne being the son of Liam Byrne. Uh, he would have been the nephew of David Byrne, murdered at the Regency Hotel. And um, his uncle would be Thomas Bomber Kavanagh jailed in the last few weeks for 21 years on massive uh, drug and organised crime charges he faced in the UK. So he has 
come out with a sympathy notice for James Whelan. Um, does that indicate, is there any su- uh, suggestion that, um, and by the way, the Sunday World reported this weekend that Liam Byrne has now left Birmingham in the wake of Bomber Kavanagh's sentencing and appears to have rattled up in Dubai along with the other characters uh, of a different generation. But with Lee Byrne showing that sympathy, does that give us any indication that there might be some some bigger groupings coming who would maybe weigh in behind some of these two feuding sides? You know, is there older criminals going to get involved in this or have they enough sense to stay out and let the young guys battle it out themselves? I guess, Nicola, we'll just have to wait and see in relation to that. It, it, there, there might be a good argument to say that older criminals um, have perhaps learned their lesson. There's so many, If you, we spoke to her briefly about the Hutch Kinnahan feud. If you think of all those, and we mentioned Trevor Byrne, um, if you mention mm. all those hitmen that are you know, locked up um, and the lack of gangland, gangland murders, this was the first gangland murder, um, not only this year, but the first gangland murder for over a year. So, like, you know, colleagues of me would be chatting and guards. And there, I suppose before this happened, we, it might often come up, have they, have they finally realised that murders are bad for business? And we were, as, as weeks went by without a, without a significant shooting or a murder, um, we're starting to wonder whether they actually did realise the lesson because there's no doubt murder is bad for business. So it's, it, it's, very, it's hard to know whether the older criminals that you mentioned will, will, will get soaked into this. It's something we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I, I had actually thought a lot of them had realised that um, because of the uh, huge guard success against the Kinahan cartel and the Hutch gang, with, with so many people that were prepared to kill for money um, being locked up, that, and the, the, I know it was the COVID lockdown, of course it affected it, but it was such a lack of gangland murders that perhaps I thought for once and for all, have these crews realised that it's bad for murder or sorry, it's bad for business. But um, I, I just don't know whether it has the potential to suck in the more senior pe- characters that you talk of. But of course, it, it would be a concern. Well, I think this is probably something we're going to be talking about again over the next uh, few weeks or months. Um, so Ken Foy, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.